0: Welcome to Fangirl Fridays. I'm Natalie. And I'm Marin. Hi. 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 We've already had a full conversation. We do this a lot. Yeah. We should just never talk to each other. I know. <laughs> you shouldn't come into the room until I'm ready to press record. Oh, okay. So we're just going in blind. I know. We've had some discussions over some, some things already. Namely, Margot Robbie. Because she's, she's number one gorgeous, has the best hair. Stunning. But my thing, it's been a rumor for a while. That girl lies about her age. And that rumor has to be true. It has to be true. Like, m- and my thing is, why lie by your age? Like, it's not. Yeah, you look great for however old you are. You look amazing. But what she says, she's like 27 or something, 28. I think she's like 29, 30 is what she says. No way. That's my age. There's no way. Like, and you just said it. Her longer hair makes her look older. And so then if you're lying about your age, just like, don't. Just don't lie by your age. My no. thing is that I want to tell people I'm 50, so then when they see me, they're like, you look great.
1: Especially I would lie the other way.
0: At this point in her career, she is a movie star. She yeah. has a production company. Yes. She's our, my friend, neighbor. Have to, you don't have to do this. No. Own it. Be a boss lady. Be like, yeah. I love you either way, but own it. I know. And that covers a cover Vogue, so good for you. Is good that job. what you're fangirling over? No, I'm fangirling over dry shampoo because okay. how did we live without it? Great question. So actually, I know how baby it, powder yes, for me. That was the great literally the greatest thing my mother ever taught me. <laughs> I still that, use it. I do too, in a pinch. Put baby powder in your roots. It was always easier when you're blonde, when yes. you're super dark, a little hard. But what a dream. And dry shampoo, just like as a mom, probably my greatest tool. <laughs> my greatest <laughs> tool as a mom. Dry a shampoo. Better mother. Dry shampoo. Cause I can just like you feel better and feel instant, better. And in then, then it, you can move on. The thing about it, though, is that I still know I'm gross, but the rest of the world doesn't yeah. know. So you're kind of, like, like straddling that line all the time. Because some of them don't last all day. I use a Dove. I do, too. I, I switched over. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's cheap and very effective. Yes, I agree. A multitude of scents. Yes. I don't really need all their options. You I don't want options. them. I want just a normal. I inadvertently bought a coconut that I'm a little nervous about. <laughs> I, mean, I like a <laughs> coconut, but maybe not in my head. But, man, what it are we doing the world a disservice, though, because of the aerosol? Probably. Maybe. But we're saving a lot of water, so it feels like... It's a balance. A balance? I don't know. Unclear. It's probably a lose-lose. I don't know. Probably. It's also probably not as bad as the, like, Aquanet of the 80s aerosol, um, but it just makes me more efficient, slightly grosser. But I appreciate it. But nobody has to know. No one knows, except everyone who listens to this podcast. But, like, you can't see me all the time. You don't know. No. What are you fangirling over? Um, I'm fangirling over Handmaid's Tale. Oh. I was dying back. over your Instagram story. I've only watched <laughs> one episode. I think three dropped. But I've only seen one. I'm right back in. Have wow. ever talked about how much Eric is obsessed with Ivan Strahovski? No. He's loved her since Chuck. My roommate also only knew her from Chuck. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. She's so good. Um, my Instagram story you were laughing at though yes. is we're watching it, it's Perfect. a serious moment. Our neighborhood ice cream truck strolls by but for like a solid ten minutes. Yeah. And also I was thinking about it. I have heard my ice cream trucks tune for three years. That truck comes by at least once a week and I've not been tired of it. What a neighborhood though that you live in that you have an ice cream truck. I know and I don't support him and I feel bad. Well, why is it coming at night? It always comes in the evenings, but in the summer it makes sense. But then I feel so bad when I hear it in the winter because I know they're just trying to make money. I'm like, should I just give them $10? I don't know. (laughs) Should I just give them $10? Because your music is kind of annoying now. Mm -hmm. It's winter. Right. But I know you're doing this because you probably have to. Maybe. So I just want to give them money. Also, I love a Powerpuff Girl. You do those like popsicle things? They always look all like distorted yeah. and weird. Like those Wah. are good. They're also, really the SpongeBob good. one is really good. It's we like got, a fruit punch flavor. We got the Powerpuff Girls when we went to our movie in the in the uh, cemetery, and mm-hmm. they're always like their eyes are all wonky, but they taste yeah. delicious. And then for somehow frozen bubblegum balls, good. <laughs> they they taste good. I love a push up. Oh, like those a Flintstones Flintstone push-up, up, RIP. They don't make those anymore. That is a specific orange sherbet that is just it's seared like, into my brain. It's like no other. And then when you finish it, there's that special taste at the bottom mm-hmm. when you're just like licking that plastic it's piece. It's like thicker too. It yes. gets like more gelatinous at the uh, bottom. It's so good. <laughs> We've never had this conversation between between Flintstone push-ups and Flintstone vitamins. They had the best. They had the best flavors. They're the best branding. Yeah. Who knew the Flintstones? Uh. Okay, is that all you're fangirling over? Yeah.
1: By push the way, ups is all I'm gonna push think about up. now.
0: I did have my mom's vacation. It was a dream. I ate a lot of sugar, like a freaking child. But it was. Sometimes you just have to let loose. I no joke, like, put pushed children out of the way to make a s'more. Like, the hotel I stayed at had like a fire pit and you could make s'mores. Uh-huh. And I was like, they had homemade marshmallows. <gasps> yes. Hot tip My though, mom does those. Homemade good. marshmallows melt much faster. Mm. So I like stuck my thing in there for like two seconds and it was all toasty. I was like, all right, well this Sounds was efficient. Perfect. But they had like a Reese's peanut butter cup i like an option. Did you do that? No, I just went straight. Because I'd ha- already had too much sugar. Have you ever had a s'more with dark chocolate? Does that ruin it? I feel Maybe. like it would be good. We don't Maybe talk too enough much about how we made s'mores in my oven yeah, one we, time. <laughs> we recorded at home and did that. That was great. Okay. 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 Business. Business. So, we went back and forth. I think, again, the theme of this podcast could always just be, like, teens. <laughs> we just, <laughs> we love a teen. We love teens. We love <laughs> teens. Sounds so creepy. But coming off of our high school series, like, we were still feeling it. We've and kind of 80 stars with Juke Barrymore. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this a lot. We are going to do, back in the day babes, Brat Pack members. How have we not done this already? I know. and. It's What's hard about it is narrowing it down. Oh, yeah, because real quick, I'll go through the list okay. of people. So I think now Brat Pack has just become this, like, term that everyone is, a comfort- is comfortable with. It comes from a 1985 New York magazine article written mm-hmm. by David Blum, and it's the first mention of it. Kind of the definition are the people who are in either the breakfast club or St. Almost Fire. Oh, first of all... Because they cross over. That makes sense. Yeah. But I always thought Brad Peck was just John Hughes. Well, also, it it's morphed. So okay, okay. the kind of the core members are considered to be Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Rob Lowe, Andrew McCarthy, Demi Moore, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and Ali Sheedy. But it extends to people like okay. Tom Cruise, Matt Dillon, Matthew Broderick, Robert Downey Jr., Jamie Gertz, Joan Cusack, both Cusacks, Cusacks, Sean Penn, Leah Thompson. I see this list, Patrick Swayze is on it. He was a straight up man by the Sprat Pack era. Yes and no, because it's like people who are in like the Outsiders or TAPS or like the. So if you were like a cute 80s star, you go under this umbrella. As I was reading a lot of the stuff, these were really the first people that was like teen Marketing. Like we were making teen movies, teen stories, Mm -hmm. very much John Hughes, so you're right. But like there were a lot of other sort of, you know, things creeping in there too. And this is like the first time you really start to see teen stories being told. And these were the people that were telling them. And so they were all super famous by the time they were like 20, 21, 22 And it's just like the article, which is I read, you can find it online. (laughs) Um, it only talks about Mostly the guys, because it's following a night of Emilio Estevez, Judd Nelson, and Rob Lowe out and about. Oh, no. They're, like West Hollywood or well, something? Well, they're hanging out the Sunset hard rock. Sunset Strip. They're hanging out oh. the hard rock. Oh, my and God. And then they go to Carlos and Charlie's on the Sunset Strip, where I was like, what? Where? What is that now? Because there's no Carlos and Charlie's anymore. And it it's It sounds just, like it would have good chips. Carlos <laughs> and Charlie's is like a Mexico staple. Like, it's kind of trashy, but great. And it's just... It, it, does not do them a lot of justice they the people in this group sort of feel like it damaged their careers it sort of positioned all of them who were very much like up-and-comers and And like timothy hutton's kind of in this group and at this point he already had an oscar and so it's like they had a lot of talent but it felt like they were sort of diminished with this phrase. Now, I don't think that we think it's negative at all. I think no. it's, like, a way to talk about a group of movies and a group of people, but they all felt like—and Ali Sheedy actually talks about it—that, like, it felt like they it destroyed their little community, and it was very much this sort of 80s, like, oh, they're entitled, they're making a lot of yeah. money, like, whatever. Well, not only the community, but probably some of their careers. Like, some of them didn't do well after teenage life. For sure. I think about Andrew McCarthy, and I'm kind of like, uh, like— He's still, he's still around. Kind of. But like James Spader was like gone for a long time and then like resurged. First, I don't want to jump into Pretty in Pink, but it is insane to me that James Spader, Pretty in Pink is also James Spader Blacklist. Like, Yes. Completely. Wow. So we are going to talk about four members. We're going to do two guys, two girls. We are going to start with the queen, Molly Ringwald. Uh, Before we get into it, though, I found out a fact that blew my freaking okay, mind. Okay, go. Rob Lowe, Sean Penn, Emilio Estevez all went to high school together. Same class? Uh, like Close. Close. Santa Monica High School. Wow. Just down the road from where we are today. Wow. Uh, wow, <laughs> right? One of our coworkers went to Santa Monica High School. But uh, it blew my mind. Sean Penn and Emilio Estevez made, like, Movies together, like student films in high school, and I was like, "What? What a time!" <laughs> I also didn't know that Sean Penn's dad was in the industry; he was like a director. Did not know that either. I didn't even, yeah, and obviously Martin Sheen know that, but it's um, we have to talk about Molly Ringwald. Yeah, the redheaded '80s queen. Do you want to do a little like background? Sure. Isn't it crazy though that? There aren't that many red-headed stars. I mean, there are more today, but in the 80s, like, Molly Ringwald was a unicorn. Yeah. With the exception of, as I learned, I got down a rabbit hole of Melissa Gilbert. Eric Stoltz. <laughs> so Melissa, yeah, Eric Stoltz. I mean, do you, th- what well, do you think? Well, some kind Eric of wonderful. Well, but also Back to the Future, bye. Like, yeah. I wonder what could have been? What could have been. But Melissa Gilbert, who was Laura Ingalls Wilder for nine years, which I was like, holy shit, little... House wow. on the Prairie was on for a long time. She dates Roblo for seven years. Blew my mind when as I was a teenager. As seven a teenager, years. they started dating. She was 17, he was 14. They were engaged. Apparently, she got pregnant. Whoa. Whoa. Had a miscarriage, it was a whole thing. And, like, you know, Roblo's been married for a very long time. She also dated Emilio Estevez, apparently. And I just was like, what? Like, Melissa Gilbert, I just don't even put her in the same sort of category. But she was the SAG after president for like three terms. So. Wow, so much information not about Molly Ringwald. I know, but but I, but I wanted to know. But I re- needed but to But another redhead, sort of like the competing redhead of the yeah. of the time, but just not in the same category. In my from my perspective, Molly no. Ringwald is like it. She she is the it girl in a way that she shouldn't have been the it girl, which is why I think I appreciate her. Like she's very sort of like unconventional. She was not the sort of stereotypical blonde, blue-eyed, like, babe. She was quirky, unique, interesting, and that's why I think she sort of shines. All right. Well, backstory. First of all, did not know she was a California girl. Right. She was born in Roseville, California, February 18th, 1968, to Bob and Adele Ringwald. love that her mom's name is Adele. Adele was a pastry chef and stay-at-home mom. Great. Bob... A blind jazz musician. Shocking. Shocking. (laughs) He was the front man and banjo player for the Great Pacific Jazz Band. Now, I've heard two different things here. I read on Biography.com that Ringwald has three sisters. Wikipedia and elsewhere says... She has a, two siblings, a brother and a sister. Mm-hmm. Kelly, the brother, died before she was born. Hmm. Very different information. Very different. But I believe the brother and sister is the correct one. Okay. Um, she started acting age five. She was in stage production of uh, Alice in Wonderland, and then she helped her dad out. She was on his album. <laughs> she recorded I Want to Be Loved by You as a five, six-year-old girl. Cool. And and by age 10, she was... Uh, playing Kate in the West Coast production of Annie. I don't know who Kate is. Another orphan. I guess an orphan. It's like the sequel. Kate. (laughs) The orphan, like. Little orphan Kate. (laughs) I guess we'll take Kate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She also recorded some Disney albums later. Yes. So I also had some information that she was in the new Mickey Mouse Club, but I couldn't Mm. find any photo proof. So I think maybe she just sang for the recordings. Yes. Of her first television role, however, was on a little show called Different Strokes. She appeared on this uh, on the TV series, and then she got to be selected to be on the show's spinoff, The Facts of Life, which, by the way, I always forget is a spinoff. Yes, but it Mrs. Seems, Garrett. it seems like such a solid original concept. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Garrett, wow. Yeah, Mrs. Garrett. <laughs> she played Molly Parker as a perky feminist student at Eastland Girls School. And the character, her main story was dealing with like the aftermath of her parents' divorce. Okay. Very traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, she only made it into like, the beginning of the second season, and then producers revamped the show, changed a lot out. She was replaced by a character named Joe. <laughs> Nancy McKeon. And we all know... Joe worked out great. Joe worked out great. Um, I, It's interesting to me because I think when I think of the facts of life, you just think of like Tootie and Joe. and George Blair. Clooney? Yeah. It's just like I don't even remember this sort of I don't either. I only girls. think of Mrs. Garrett, to be oh, really? honest. <laughs> you do? <laughs> then um, Tootie, then Natalie, because we have the same name. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, but she's also great. Yeah, I really actually I really like the facts of life when it was on Nick at Night. Always I, watched it. Just even thinking about the facts of life, now I have the theme song in my head yes. for the rest of time. For the rest of time. It's so this is only 1980. Yes. And then by 1982, she gets her big screen debut in the film version of the Shakespeare play, The Tempest. Wow. Oh, okay. She was, uh, she played Miranda. Mm-hmm. This gave her a Golden Globe nomination. Which, so this Golden Globe nomination is in a category called, like, New Rising Star. Why do we not have that anymore? We absolutely should have this category. We should have all of those sort of, like, high school superlative categories for the Golden Globes. Like, wh- I was like, what happened? Is that How why they have, like, these? teen choice? Maybe. And I don't, no one wants that. But, like, and because you don't have to be a New Rising Star and be, like, 12. You could be also popping out of nowhere. I don't, I don't know. 50 years old. It's something weird about an up-and-comer, say Molly Ringwald, <laughs> up against... Some legendary actress. Right. It feels weird. Because you want this legendary actress, maybe like Glenn Close, this year's Oscars, like she's never won. Let her win. Let Let her win. She was great. Yeah. But also other people are great. I don't know. (laughs) Let's have more categories. Let everyone win. (laughs) Everyone's a winner. (laughs) Everyone's a winner. (laughs) This is you made a movie, you win in my book. You did a great job. So this Golden Globe (laughs) nomination, though, is sort of what got her on the radar of John Hughes yeah he actually this is skipping a little there's a couple like a tv movie an action movie we have we'll skip here but he saw her photo in a stack of teen actor photos and mm-hmm. was like Headshots. this is the girl and he wrote for one weekend based on her photo 16 candles it's crazy. I think in his mind he was supposed to be writing The Breakfast Club, but he ended up with this finished project, Sixteen Candles. That, I mean, this could be urban legend. This could be true. We don't have a way to verify it. John Hughes uh, passed away in 2009. But thinking that that movie got written in a weekend is freaking crazy to me. It's crazy to me, but also makes sense. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if all, I'm really thinking about it. all of the All of his movies, for the most part, are like pretty small maybe Mm -hmm. like his early movies right it's just like a girl Her like parents forget her birthday i would also (laughs) say okay if you're writing in one weekend yes you should take a lot more time and maybe do a second draft but all of these movies normally take place over a weekend or one day Mm -hmm. so it makes sense to me He he could could just focus on one day. He doesn't have to think too far in the future. That's true. It's just how does this girl's day go? It's like a microcosm of her life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, Molly Ringwell talks a lot about how no one, even if there were sort of like teen films or teen characters, it was not baked in the like minutiae of being a teenager. And it's like this very small thing. Like my family forgot my 16th Mm -hmm. birthday. It's like a very minute problem in the grand scheme of things but it's huge when you're 16 and it's like your whole world and it's devastating and all of this stuff um by the way it was so this film was only a modest theatrical hit but it came out the same weekend as break-in yeah what and came second to break-in i mean on its opening weekend makes sense but i was just like what a time like okay like which one are you going to see i mean what would you have seen 16 Candles. you think so but I would have also seen break-in you Afterwards. Would, you would have seen it in the same weekend. Maybe. Or you snuck Depends in. on how much money I have in the 1984. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. 1984, Natalie. What are you doing? Yeah. What am I? What part-time job do I have? Serving oh. ice cream. Probably working yeah. at a. I'm not a lifeguard. That's for sure. Fountain. I don't know. Um, interesting though. Molly Ringwald almost lost the part of Samantha Baker to Ali Sheedy. A lot of Sheedy, Molly Ringwald. Yeah, back and forth. But it seems like they're—they've always been friendly about it. It's—it wasn't like competition. Yes. Um, And then so Molly Ringwald, Anthony Michael Hall, who plays the geek or Farmer Ted, or both sixteen. At both sixteen, and apparently didn't like each other. So John Hughes took them to a record store. To make them bond because they liked the same bands and one of them was this band called the rave ups which molly scribbled on samantha's notebook in the movie uh-huh. turns out her sister in real life dated a member of the rave ups Uh-oh. and had one of his babies what <laughs> and so the rave ups is also i think it mentioned or somehow in tied to the breakfast club as oh, well interesting or Pretty in Pink. um samantha's room in the movie molly ringwald like got to design it or like bring things from her own life um and then also she insisted on wearing that hat like john hughes was like no and she was like nope i'm wearing this hat started started a trend also i read she unlike most teen stars where you're just like spending money and you have trendy clothes her parents had her parents were still giving her an allowance so she was shopping at second hand stores right. vintage stores and was creating this look that girls loved mm-hmm. she was an original she was an original um, little creepy though so Jake Ryan 23 she was 15, 16 I know this is kind of a sooner or later situation <laughs> yeah he's such a babe <laughs> he's such a babe yeah there so is, quiet he yeah. almost didn't get the role because he was so shy in his audition I can see that yeah um, you have here that she, they, over the years there have been, talks about a sequel. Why? Why? But also, there's one that's like 32 Candles. Don't hate. Like I actually don't hate. Would if, watch. Like a reunion maybe kind Something. of movie. In my neighborhood, there is that red Porsche. Like, it's the same year model that Jake Ryan oh, wow. drives. <laughs> and every single time I walk by it, I get a little like, ooh. I had this t-shirt from Hot Topic in junior high. That was a 16 Candles t-shirt, but it was such a random 16 Candles t-shirt. It said, I heart, like a heart. Uh-huh. And then it was a photo of, like, nerd John Cusack in 16 Candles. Who, what? He hardly has a role in that movie. Yeah. I was like, but I loved that t-shirt. A deep cut. Yeah. I was like, wow, Hot Topic gets it. <laughs> Hot Topic. I still, still got it. So between this time, like, after this movie... Molly Ringwald, Anthony Michael Hall actually start dating. So, so in between Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, they're dating. An odd couple, I would say. I think so. Also, at the end of Sixteen Candles, John Hughes is like, hey, guys, I'm going to do this other little film. Do you want to be in it? That film is called The Breakfast Club. So we're gonna, I want to talk about all of these collectively, like, once we get through yes, them. Yes, I agree. Um... What, what is there really to say about The Breakfast Club? So it has been selected for preservation in the National Film Registry from the Library of Congress. Entertainment Weekly's number one teen movie of all time. Sort of referred to as like the quintessential 80s film. Yeah. And I think everyone kind of remembers when they first see it. She actually—John Hughes wanted her to play Allison. Ali Sheedy's character. Mm-hmm. And Claire, people that uh, that read for it, Robin Wright, Jodie Foster, wow. Laura Dern. Her. Laura Dern makes a yes, lot of I sense want to me. And I was like, mm mm-hmm. But she fought for Claire. And it's interesting when you think about Pretty in Pink, which we'll talk about, and we think about Sixteen Candles, she's very much kind of like the awkward. The odd one out. Yeah, and for her here to be like the queen bee, the most popular girl, like beautiful, it all that stuff. It makes sense to me, though, when you see her. Because she comes— she, she plays a rich girl real well. Yeah. Like, you can see that she has, like, a class to her. This movie, though, shot concurrently with Ferris Bueller's Off. Wow. Like, John Hughes was busy. And they like there's footage where like behind the scenes stuff where you can see like the other film crew because they used a lot of the same high school interior. They used the same high school. I can't imagine how busy that crew was. I have no idea. Also, though, it really helps that Breakfast Club is mostly in one room or one general area. Yeah. I was thinking about that, too. Like they wore the same clothes for two months. Yeah. It's like the showrunner for Grey's Anatomy is also taking on their spinoff, Station 19. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they do it. Unbelievable. (laughs) So much work. Shocking. Maybe everyone knows this. I did not know this. The key art for The Breakfast Club, shot by Annie Lee Did not know that. Makes so much sense. Perfect perfect beautiful and has really the art itself has almost like become a trope for teen movies mm-hmm. it kind of launched the way that all teen movies have been marketed since then and i was like of course because you have this like world famous renowned photographer shooting it it has such a like a look to it there's almost like a wash over it that yeah well it's not only just the look of the photo it's everyone's personality coming Mm -hmm. through in that photo yeah it's like the five yes and that's kind of how other teen movies have been sort of scripted you have like the popular girl the nerd the jock the Mm -hmm. blah and this movie i have seen 150 times i've seen 16 candles much more than this movie i saw it first Mm. so it had a bigger impact on me i think yeah i don't know i appreciate the breakfast club I don't love The Breakfast Club like I'm supposed to. Uh-huh. I My biggest takeaway the first time seeing it, and I think about it all the time, especially when I'm dancing to 80s music, which is probably a lot. Um, the way Molly Ringwald dances mm-hmm. in that scene where she's like on the kind of second floor of that yeah. library and mm-hmm. she's kind of like kicking her arms. I always think i'm doing that but i know as a person my body's like my arms flail much more uh-huh. so i think i'm doing this tight cool thing but i'm really looking like an idiot yeah but that scene she was supposed to do by herself she was supposed to be the only one dancing oh. but she was too embarrassed yeah. so it became a group event which those, turned out much better those i think boots though that she wears yeah those slouchy boots man damn so she i think kills it in this movie in this role the The whole movie is just like it's like, hey teens, like your chance to be emotional, your chance to like feel, your chance to like have your feelings and what you're going through be heard. And yeah, I was reading an interview with Molly Ringwald, and she said a black gay man came up mm-hmm. to her and was just expressing how much The Breakfast Club meant, and she didn't really understand why. Right. She's like, There's so no she black like a friend. It people. was a friend of a friend, uh-huh. so she reached out and basically asked him why. And it's because it was teens expressing their feelings, like talking right. about who they were. Right. It didn't matter like about their sexuality or race. Right. It really that quote from her in that article. So we was it a New Yorker article that we read and we'll talk about it. But it really reminded me of what Kumail Nanjiani said at the Oscars maybe two years ago when sort of all of the like representation conversation, like Me Too, everything was kind of mm-hmm. boiling over and he was saying, you know, all of my favorite movies star like straight white dudes and I related to that. So it's like, why couldn't you then relate to my story, you know, and it was like the same thing. It's like at the surface level, regardless of like who you're seeing or what you're seeing, these movies are showing sort of outsiders or like what it means to be like misunderstood. And I think at almost all levels, anyone can relate to that. But it's just like, it just, it was interesting to me that she was like, well, but how could you relate to this? if like, you're not seeing someone like you. And it's like, I think we could do a better job of telling all sides of the story, yes. uh, and but these movies resonate in a way that I think a lot of movies don't with maybe everyone and anyone. Agree. Pretty. Yeah. So there was another TV movie after this. That's a lot of TV like, movies. I don't want to get into all of them, but no. she, she didn't just dabble. She, like, jumped in. To TV movies. Yeah. She worked. Yeah. This girl worked. Then, Pretty in Pink. Whew. It was written for her. Almost went to Jennifer Beals, Flash Dance. Can't see it. No. Uh, to I mean, that working girl. Yeah, thing. I think it would have been good, actually, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> actually, I think it would have been good. Uh, we have to talk about the dress. I hate the dress. I hate the dress too, but I feel like it works. So, the costume designer, Marilyn Vance, bought two dresses, cut them apart, then reassembled them, and two become one. Yeah. And Molly Ringwald hated it. Mm-hmm. I get it, girl. She hated it with such a passion, but Vance, like, really pushed for it. John Hughes agreed. I think it works perfectly for the character. Whether oh, absolutely. It's, whether it's ugly or not. It totally does. You think of this girl has to make a dress mm-hmm. really quickly to go to prom. She doesn't have that much money, yeah. but she's, like, qu- quirky and stylish. I think it works completely. Mm-hmm. Also, though, the lace, it's bad. It's not good. No. But it works for Andy. I always love that her name was Andy. It's a good name. It's a great name. I love Annie Potts in this movie. hmm Also, guys, is Ducky gay? Molly Ringwald says yes. John Cryer says no. Interesting. Because he his like defense is, like, why can't you just have an effeminate straight man character? Fair. I'm like, that's... Uh, sure. Totally fine. But also, I think Ducky was gay. Yeah, I think Ducky was gay. He loved her... Because she was, like, safe to him, yeah. and he didn't know how to, like, be who he was. She was supposed to end up with Ducky. Really? Yeah. They shot that ending. Oh. Test audience hated it. They wanted Andy to be with the pretty boy, mm-hmm. so they reshot it. Yeah. And changed everything. Andrew McCarthy, what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Generally fine. That's my opinion of Andrew yeah. McCarthy, <laughs> sort of, like, in the 80s. So... These are the movies that make her a star. It's a and, trifecta. Yeah. She gets on the, t- the cover of Time magazine, you know, sort of like this emerging icon. Everyone, if you are a teen, your sort of coming-of-age process involves seeing one, if not all, of these movies at some point. Yes. Or Weird Science, maybe. <laughs> oh, bless. Bless Weird Science. She wrote a very interesting piece, the one we read. It's very good. About... So John Hughes is very much lauded as, you know, sort of an icon. Um, He did such justice to telling these stories. I mean, his breadth of work is sort of shocking. Yeah, I actually did not know. It makes sense now what we're about to talk about. Did not know he was a lampoon guy. Yes. Yes. So she talks a lot about how, you know, he was brilliant and a genius, but he had a blind spot. And his blind spot is in representation of women and how they're treated mm-hmm. or portrayed in his films. Although, and she's very conflicted in the writing of his article. Yes. You can tell. She does a very good job. And she you can also tell she doesn't want to bite the hand that fed her. But she also doesn't want to just, like— Take a step back yes, because and of that, that. she genuinely loves these films she was a part of, but yes. she knows they're not perfect. But she does something that I haven't seen a lot of people do in that she reaches out to other people in these films mm-hmm. and wants to get their take on how they were portrayed. There's been a lot written about Long Duck Dong, right? And and yeah. the harm that that did to the Asian community for years in the also, way that they were portrayed. Also, he was portrayed. 28. Right. Very old. Yes. But – she actually reaches out to Caroline, who plays Jake Ryan's girlfriend in Sixteen Candles, who is hammered. The entire movie. The whole movie. Doesn't know what's going on. Right. And, like, you know, there are the scenes where he's like, I could violate her, you know, ten different ways. Like, he basically, like, gives her. He trades her. Yes, to his friend. To Farmer Ted for Andy's, or for Andy, for Samantha's underwear. Mm-hmm. And it's just like. And just the underwear. The underwear alone, much. Mm-hmm. And so she reaches out to her to get a sense of, like, how she feels about it. And the woman who played her didn't have the same reaction to her character initially, but probably hadn't given it a lot of thought. And mm-hmm. it's, like, it's a very different time. We think about things differently. Things that were sort of, like, quote, unquote, okay then are not okay now. But she... They have a very interesting conversation. They literally, like, sit down for coffee yeah. after 30 years of not seeing each other. Can you imagine going into that coffee shop and seeing those two? I would die. No. But she talks a lot about how she Molly Ringwald went back and read a lot of his National Lampoon stories. A lot of them are very misogynistic, mm-hmm. very—I um, mean, there's it's satire, but it's not satire in the way where it's, like— making fun of the women's movement or different things some of them are just straight up gross they were straight up gross but that was like the the culture that was being fostered by national lampoon at the time and there's a little bit of you know it's raunchy it's a little crass and ultimately she kind of comes to this decision where she doesn't want to erase history um I actually thought about, you know, there's always the debate about Tom Sawyer and, like, whether or not we should go back and, like, Mm -hmm. erase the N-word. It's obviously a very much more drastic example. But it's, like, do you erase it or do you leave it and then have a conversation about, like, what was going on during that time when it was written? And you can kind of have the same conversation with movies like this, where it's there's that scene in The Breakfast Club where Bender's under the table. And it's, like, presumed that he, like— Touches her or doesn't inappropriate and And then they end up together at the end of the movie. And he's a dick to her the, the entire whole time. time. And actually offset or like off script mm-hmm. too because he was just in character. Right. Um, I think another good point to uh talk about is her mom was a part of this and was not having right. the shit. Which I appreciate. Like on both um 16 Candles and Breakfast Club, she was a part of like saying no to things because I think there was like an inappropriate joke about Samantha's underwear that Mm -hmm. the dad made. Yeah. He didn't need to be making a joke. Right. So she like nixed that. And then for Breakfast Club, she was, she was not there for the Judd Nelson scene. Yes. And that had to be played by an adult woman. And like everything about it made Molly uncomfortable. I just, I like. That the mom was present yes. and noticed these things. And wasn't just a stage mom, wasn't maybe Jade Barrymore, pushing like pushing her daughter to yeah. do things just because she would make her a star. It was like, no, this this is my child being represented on the screen. I'm going to do what's best for her, even if it's maybe not what's best, quote mm-hmm. unquote, for your art. Um, but she just has an interesting take. I highly recommend people read it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We can put the link in our description. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. You found it. Thank (laughs) you for sharing it. Um, And I thought it was just, it's, you know, taking a look back at your past self. But she actually, the reason she even started thinking about this is because she watched The Breakfast Club with her 10-year-old. Yes. And she was all nervous about the sex stuff, and her daughter, like, totally didn't even get any of that. And then she just started to think about, like, well, what if this was my child? Like, how how is this different now and what made me uncomfortable? And she started to have conversations, which I think was the message I took away from it, is Mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't have a conversation around things like this, and she wanted to, like, seek people out and get their perspective, which I really appreciated. After all this... She's, like, still working. Like, movies that I've never even heard of. Yeah. I'm like, what? Fresh Horses with her and Andrew McCarthy again? Like, what's what's going on? Yeah. Pickup Artist with Robert Downey Jr. Actually, his last film to be billed as Robert Downey. Oh, interesting. Mm. Hmm. Did yeah. not know. Did not know. But during this time, she also dated Adam Horowitz of the Beastie Boys, Dweezil Zappa, and Anthony Michael Hall. What a time. What Dweezil a time. Zappa. Yeah. Dweezil. All right. Now we get into the 90s. No, so I think most people are like, okay, she's an 80s star, and then, like, bye-bye, and then we see her yeah, again. Yeah, because in, I think it's early, early 90s, 1992, she moves to Paris. Yes. So I, in my mind, thought she stopped working for a while, no. which is not the case at all. No. She's fluent in French, of course. she of course makes She makes a is. ton of French movies, which also I think that's remarkable. Like, yes. That's pretty badass. You're making bilingual films? Okay. But she is in this movie called Betsy's Wedding it is written directed and stars Alan Alda I was like Alan Alda wrote this movie it is critically panned but she and Ali Sheedy play sisters and you made me look up the cover art it's crazy please everyone go and google Betsy's Wedding and look at what Molly Ringwald is wearing it's amazing. I'm not even going to talk about it. You have to go and Google it. It's so <laughs> insane. I was like, wow, this is great. And then back at it for some TV movies. Yeah. I want to touch on, this is further into the 90s, 1998, a little show called Townies. No Never idea. heard of it. Never heard of it. Lasted September to December, so it was horrible. Mm-hmm. Starring Lauren Graham, Jenna Elfman, Molly Ringwald, and, quote, Billy Burr, and Ron Livingston. That was the cast of Townies. What? They I, all have- You can watch a really bad quality version of the pilot, and there are some promos on YouTube. It looks terrible, but wow, I love that show. So this is the year before Gilmore Girls for Lauren Graham, because I think, doesn't Gilmore Girls come out in 99? Maybe. Yeah. Wow. So it's like the season And before. she looks so different in this. Lauren Graham. Like short, short curly hair. <sighs> yeah. It's the most 1998 thing. Yes. 100%. Wow. The photos are crazy. But again, Molly Ringwald, that sort of like token redhead. Yeah. But the pairing, the trio of them, I would watch in something else. It makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. So ninety-two, she's she's gone. She's in Paris. She comes. She falls in love. She falls in, in love. She gets married to a French writer in Bordeaux, but they are only married for three years. And then presumably she's coming back from time to time to do things she keeps like on Yes. Again, still working into the two thousands, is she having a comeback? I think so. Yeah, as a child, thought, mm-hmm. oh, she stopped working, and this this silly little movie is her comeback, and she made a cameo mm-hmm. in not another teen movie, Great. which is a spoof on many teen movies, mm-hmm. uh, mostly like She's All That, Pretty and Pink. I think it's very funny still. Mm -hmm. I genuinely like this movie. But she appears at the end as a flight attendant, and she basically gives the two love interests a speech about how they're dumbasses and just need to, like, (laughs) get their shit together Uh and get together. Um, She wouldn't do—after this movie, she didn't do another film for 14 years until a movie we know and hate, Mm -hmm. Jim and the Holograms. Like, what? How is that the next movie that she does? Well, to be fair, she did some television. She did a lot of television. But that's her next movie. Love that. She plays Aunt Bailey. Yeah. She was a big part of The Secret Life of the American Teenager. Yeah, she's the mom. Yeah, never watched. I didn't either. Now she's the mom on Riverdale. Mm -hmm. Obviously, her role—so, you don't watch the show, but she— Lives in Chicago, which is somehow close to Riverdale. Okay. So Riverdale might be in the Midwest, even though it looks like Pacific Northwest. I don't understand. Yeah, 100% that it was Um, Pacific Northwest. Yes. But she lives in Chicago, and she visits from time to time. Archie's parents are divorced. Okay. But now she's going to step up and probably take a big role now Mm -hmm. that Luke Perry has passed, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. also a job opportunity for mm-hmm. her. Um, she was also in The Kissing Booth, which is like a recent teen movie. Oh, yeah. And I think now is her really big comeback because everyone watching these shows with their kids know Molly Ringwald. Right. You know, from their childhood. That's why all the Riverdale parents are 90s babes. Oh, really? Like Skeet Ulrich. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mad Amick from Twin Peaks, Luke Perry. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all babes. Wow. What a time. Personal life, she did remarry. She loves like a like a foreign yeah. gent. <laughs> like, don't we all? I mean, right. Uh, she is married to Panio Gianopoulos. I probably got that wrong, but he's a Greek-American writer and book editor. She also loves like a thinker. She loves yeah. a foreign thinker. She loves a thinker. Also, mm-hmm. some of the work she did she did some Broadway stuff, mm-hmm. and she can sing. She put out her own jazz album now. Yeah. I was terrified to listen to this. It's not as bad as I thought it would be. Okay. It's definitely not something I would listen to. Right. But she can sing. Correct me if I'm wrong, I believe she has starred in Chicago. I think so. I think so, too. It also makes a lot of sense if she has, Mm -hmm. um, but I do believe I I have seen her name in lights. Never seen her. (laughs) I've seen her name in lights. Seen her name in lights. I've never seen her in anything, like, on Broadway. So do you think that she... Is a babe today? The back in the day babe status holds up. Yeah, I do because she's an icon, and I think that one I do like when she does a little blonde. She does that every mm-hmm. once in a while. She like a strawberry pause. blonde. She's very fair, so it you know <laughs> makes sense. She has aged very well. Yeah. Um, and I think now because she has kind of had this resurgence of roles, like people are revisiting her old work and remembering her importance. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think she's 100 percent. Yeah. Also smarter and wiser now. Yeah. Very much so. A badass babe. She talks a lot about, though, how she had the self-awareness to know that she was a role model. Yeah. And you don't really hear any or read any bad behavior from her she very much knew that teens were looking up to her and emulating her and she didn't want to jeopardize that yeah what it really sounds like to me is that molly ringwald had some good parents yes that were very involved in not a weird creepy pushy way yeah which i'm sure makes her a great mom today yeah she has three kids she has a daughter and then boy girl twins of course all celebrities have boy girl twins <laughs> yeah how does that work how do it's they do? money it's a little thing called money <laughs> Do you, what do you think about her sort of like then versus now? Mm. Well, I just said she's like older and wiser now. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's, I think she's ready to step up and speak her mind. Whereas mm-hmm. a teen, she was much more reserved. Yeah. It was, it was more like, oh, she's shy when she was a teenager, mm-hmm. just like this quiet little quirky girl. Right. But now she's, you know, a strong woman. Mm-hmm. Do you think that... She will continue to like hold up. Like, if we watched Breakfast Club in 20 years. Yes, I do. And why do you think she kind of resonates with people? I think just because she's like, not, she's not even an oddball, but she's just different. Mm-hmm. She's not, she doesn't really fall into these teen cliches, even yeah. though so many of them are based on her movies. It's true. She never really fell into one. Yeah. And like, she's not the cheerleader. She's not the you know sort of yeah all, traditionally she never she never did extracurricular activities uh-huh. she just seemed like an average student which is relatable yeah, yeah she's like a you know b student who <laughs> whose parents <laughs> bug b her student. you know what i mean who's yeah. like parents annoy her who has a little sibling who's the worst and who you know looks like she could be your next door neighbor or could be a runway model like she's one yeah. or the other you know it's like oh this is she could literally be anybody and i think she's pretty malleable and even just like seeing her as claire versus seeing her as andy she's a high school girl in both cases but like wildly so different, different. like when claire whips out her like sushi you know like her like bento box yes and then, like, <laughs> and then you see her as andy like cutting up that dress like we all know both girls, and it's kind of amazing that she can be both of those people. Yeah. I've always loved her. I, and you know how much I like a short haircut. Yeah. And, and she can, pulls it off. She looks way better with short hair than she does with long. Always. Yeah. Respect. Ugh. Who are we going to talk about next week? We didn't pick an order. I'm excited. We yeah, we're going to go guy-girl. We're going to go girl-girl. Oh, we should go girl. I don't know. Uh. Also, part of this... Uh, topic came out from um, our good friend Don Mildish sent us this meme that's been going around in a lot of ways. He sent it to me as like a Minnesota suburb thing um, and it's like the Breakfast Club 5 and it'll be like Los Angeles, Sacramento, San Francisco, <laughs> Oakland, whatever. But he sent it to me and uh, Edina the suburb I'm from was personified by Molly Ringwald. and I Did was it like, hold up? Yeah. I was like this oh, is yeah, 100% Oh yeah, you went to a movie true. high school. Yeah. I went to a movie high school. Claire very much embodies Dine in Minnesota. Very accurate. Um, off topic. I feel like my armpits are sweating through my shirt. So cool. is this is a good time to wrap it up. <laughs> it's a good time to wrap it up. You got emotional. Got sweat stains. You got hot. Wow. Molly Ringwald really did it for you. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. Tell us your favorite Molly Ringwald movie. Which of these three sort of you know Pretty and Pink, Sweet Sixteen, Candles, Breakfast Club? Which one spoke to you the most? Tell us. Tell us all the things, guys. Yeah. So until next week. Bye.